they are going to release uh, Return of the Jedi back into theaters, what, April 28th, I believe? Are they yeah, really? It's going to be a, they're, they're, they're bringing it out there in, in uh, certain theaters just for its upcoming 40th anniversary um, of its oh. release, which well, I... Are they doing special popcorn buckets or anything I, to get me out? Because I, mean, I I could quote that fucking movie front to back. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, I will probably try to go check that out in theaters. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I guess for Star Wars events too, like you could always expect people to show up dressed oh, accordingly. Yes. Like you'll always see a few Jedi, there'd be a couple of stormtroopers, like you know. So it's it could be. Fun. You might see that one brave lady show up in the in the Leia bikini, you know, if she chooses. Or a guy like me. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That could happen too. Yeah, yeah. you're not ruling anything out. So. This is Jesse Ventura. You're listening to Children of the Atoms. We're back. Again. Thank you very much for checking out the show. Uh, those of you who have been around for a while, or if this is your first time checking us out especially, hello welcome. Uh, who we are is, uh, we are the Children of the Adams. That's Brian. I'm Aaron. What we do is we essentially, uh, we watch everything <laughs> and just kind of talk about it and see where we end up. Uh, you know, you may laugh, you may roll your eyes, you may wonder how dumb we are, but I guarantee you, you'll be entertained by whatever is said along the way. For sure. Uh, so, hey, man, I know we haven't talked about it yet this season, and we're a few episodes in, but how how's this season of The Mandalorian grabbed you so far? Uh, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I can say that I enjoy The Mandalorian. I, I think it's a great show. But this, this season has certainly not lived up to what I thought it would, and I, I've got some reasons. It's kind of been like disjointed storytelling. Like it, it, it all started off with like this weird, like in between the last season, like the last time we saw Grogu and and Mando, like it was in Boba Fett. But, but it, if I'm following this correctly, like we're in a couple of years worth of a time jump now, from then yeah. until now. Well, I, is that I, the way Favreau explained it? I'm confused on it. I I don't know if that's if that's the case. Um, yeah, disjointed is is a great way to describe it. <laughs> We ended season two on a amazing cliffhanger. I mean, Luke coming in, saving the gang, you know, taking Grogu away. You know, you've got Din Djarin taking his mask off, breaking his his creed. Just an amazing cliffhanger. Like, where are you going to go from here? The lone gunman, where does he go from here? Mm -hmm. And then... You pick his story up in the middle of the Book of Boa Fett. I I say this now after getting into this third season of The Mandalorian. They should have taken that episode of The Return of the Mandalorian and made that episode one of this season. It it absolutely needed to be there because that would have picked up right on off the cliffhanger. Okay, Mm -hmm. where where do we where's Grogu now? Well he's with Luke. Oh awesome. We still get to see a little bit more Luke. Excellent. And we get to see what Din Djarin is trying to do, you know, yeah. now that he's back on the life as a loner. That, I mean, that's what made this, the first two seasons so special is because it's like, yeah, here it is, this lone gunman, this guy going around helping the world. And all of a sudden he's, he's paired with, you know, this responsibility. He doesn't really want this thing. He's refusing that call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God damn, <laughs> if we didn't learn to love little Grogu and so does he. So it's just a fantastic story. And they've gotten away from it on this season. I think see. that magic is gone, you know, that 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 missing that that tension of are you is Grogu going away or is 
you know, he's going to, you know, be caught by the Empire, that, that kind of thing. It, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And, and another another problem I do have with this, and I, I'm sure you probably would agree with this. I feel like this show has turned in, you know, turned to something different. It's like, you know, we were watching The Mandalorian, and I feel like this season we're watching the story of The Mandalorians. Or and, maybe like The Mandalorian, like where the focus this season isn't on... Din Djarin being the Mandalorian is, yes. on, you know, it's on Bo-Katan. Like she's the Mandalorian. That's now. a, that's a problem for me. If you want to tell a Bo-Katan story, she needs to have her own show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like cause gave it's, not like, it's not like there's not enough story there. I mean, holy shit. They, they've got a lot of story there. They can tell with her. Obviously. A ton. I, but I will say this. Is it, is it real original storytelling? Cause I feel like the more that I'm looking into this is they're just taking a, everything that they, they told in the clone war animated series. Yep. Which annoys me because I never watch it. I don't like it. It's too childish for me. And I feel like now Disney's saying, hey, you know, you really have to watch this now. We're, we're making this all really count now. And it's it's kind of Especially me now nuts. with a lot of the a lot of the characters introducing through Ahsoka and all that. Like, even though that trailer yes. looks fucking amazing. That oh, yeah. Looks we'll like it's we'll get into great. that. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, this season of The Mandalorian, like, yeah, you're right. They've lost some of the... I guess some of the like the the weekly hunt sort of like magic to it, whereas like they've had I I, I don't mind the like the one offshoot episode they had where it focuses mainly on 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 uh, proper Coruscant today. I thought that was a, I, yes. I liked that episode. It was intriguing to see like how the post imperial lives would work and like the groundwork they're laying for obviously for Snoke and you know. Uh, and for Palpatine coming back and all that, my issue with it was like the way they they bookended it with, with the Mandalorian, which you know it's if it's to be a spinoff, you get like you know they're not really going to be in the episode very much. But if they're not if they're not going to fully follow through with these people in their own separate thing, then why even do it here in the first place? Why not do it as like a a one night you know Night of the Werewolf Marvel Halloween special type of deal? Yeah, where you, you know Tales from Coruscant or something, and you catch yeah. up with the old Imperials or something. I think it felt weird kind of jamming it in there, like I, in the, into the Mandalorian like that. Yeah, I think they're building up to something much bigger. Uh, it was a year or so ago. I don't remember. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy had hinted towards this, where she said, "Yeah, this was all supposed to culminate in some kind of grand event." Well, yeah, uh, the, the Mandalorian movie. Now that we know from uh, from Star Wars Celebration, and now with uh, Thrawn coming back, they're doing Heir of the Empire. So like. That's what it's all tying to is all the live action characters from the from the animated series are all now coming forward in their own episodes and they're gonna culminate in a big Avenger style crossover and then uh Grogu and Din Djarin's journey is gonna end in the Mandalorian movie. So I mean it's it's pretty obvious that Din Djarin's gonna die, right? And Grogu's gonna take over as the Mandalorian at that point. Like is that I don't know. That's where we're that's exactly where we're headed, right? I, I feel like Din Djarin is, is heading for his character to like be leader of the Mandalorians. You know, over I, Bo Katan? Yep. I feel that, yep. that is that is gonna be the end arc for him. Is you know, he is a guy who has continuously rejected the call towards leadership. So I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this. And but through people you know, People in, in, in history, you know, the people of destiny, those are the people that no matter how hard they push, they're forced into that role. You know, oh, you know, yeah. destiny, and, and in this case, it would be the will of the force, we would say, is going to push him that way. Um, right. I, I, for my criticism of this season, I do enjoy what I'm seeing here. They are building up a world. Yeah, I can appreciate sure. that. The problem is I, 
I'm used to watching Star Wars and knowing exactly what's happened because I know what came before it. But now because there's been so much stuff that's either canon or is not canon that these writing people are pulling from, it's it's not I'm not I'm not gonna use the word regret not watching these things, but it's like I guess it's frustration of saying, well, I should have watched this stuff because now I, I definitely don't have time and I don't wanna watch it because it's right. just not my style. Yeah. Well, luckily though, I mean, yeah, they it would help if they gave some explainer as to some who some of these characters were and why we should care. Like, you know, like the obvious ones, like the Cad Bane you know, the, the the alien, you know, assassin bounty hunter. It was cool to see things like that. And, you know, and, and the other characters like Ahsoka, you know, Tano and all that. And there are some cool moments coming up. But, like, as far as, like, the Ahsoka trailer, there were some cool things to see. But I wasn't as excited as looking online it's like to people who had seen the animated show. They're losing their fucking minds over some of these characters we only saw flashes of. And it's like, okay, there's a there's a green alien lady and there's... <laughs> There's a lady yeah. with purple hair, and there's maybe a a Jedi I should care about. But yeah, because I don't watch those shows, I've got no clue who people are. So I'm not as hype as, as what you know some other people are. So yeah, I need I need an exposition dump. Like I need yes. you to tell me exactly who these people are and why we should care. Yeah, you can't, and that I think that is where they are failing. Like yeah. I think I think they're trying to make a series that will appeal to everybody. Yeah, we'll get the fanboys, you know, with 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 putting all these obscure references to characters and all that kind of stuff. And I get that. I, I enjoy that when I get the joke where I'm I did like it. seeing the pack of salacious bee crumbs as squirrels on, uh, yes. In the Mandalorian. The yes. Funny. Like that's, that's a callback for people like us, you know, yeah. who, who've seen the original star Wars trilogy, but it's, it's when it's, it's where they're failing. It's like, you know, the average viewer, like, and God help me if I can consider myself almost an average viewer of star Wars now, because I don't consume everything that they've got on there. That's aimed for an age that's younger than I am. Right. So like, they're not doing a good enough job of getting me pulled in. I've like, I've got to go and like, I'll watch this and then I've got to go do legwork you know, to actually figure out what the <laughs> hell this character is and why why it's so prominent. You know, the one thing right. I know about looking at film and, and TV and stuff is like, like I know when they're trying to show me something and saying, yeah, this is like, yeah, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. You know, but but it's annoying for me when I'm like, okay, what they're making joke about something. What is it? Right. And and that's that's what's frustrating me. Like I would like it if they yes they would make it more accessible for everybody to say, yeah, you don't have to watch everything we put out there. We'll tell you enough information to get you there. And I just don't think they're doing enough that way. I, th- I think they think they might be doing it, but I, I mm-hmm. to me, I don't think they are as a, you know, quote unquote, casual watcher of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, what, I, what I think, what I will say this, though, I think it does stem from this idea of, you know, they, they have to get a new generation hyped about Star Wars. Yeah, they do. You know, we're our generation. We're dying you know, off. Yeah, we're we're <laughs> in our 40s and 50s now, you know, Gen Xers, you know, God, some of us getting into our 60s. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, we're not the big consumers of this material as we once were when we were younger. So you have to get a younger generation uh, loving this stuff. So I mm-hmm. get the focus because I've... Like if you want to talk about the latest episode of The Mandalorian, I thought I thought it was enjoyable, but I but I catch myself rolling my eyes at all the the little things that I can clearly see are aimed at a younger audience. And 
you know, that's that's what I consider like the Disneyfication of, of of Star Wars itself. It's trying to, you know, appeal to this kids 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 level stuff, but also appeal to us adults. You know, kind of kind of like the way the Muppets did back when we were growing up. Maybe that's oh, how my yeah. parents felt when they were watching Muppets show, and we were like watching it and just enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah. You know? It's it's a hard thing to do, and I I just like I got maybe it is maybe I'm just getting becoming an old man and just getting cranky about it and very protective of the material that I grew up with and loved. And, and maybe that's just part of the problem too. Is like for us, like this is all this is the time period we don't really know much about. So like while they are kind of restricted now as far as like where the Force Awakens picked up is uh, you know, with how much story they can tell. Like there's a lot of room in there. Like. <laughs> For them to oh. be able to ex- expand this story in a, in a pretty gigantic way. So maybe, you know, they're still trying to figure out exactly how to present this continuation of the animated story in live action while, you know, keeping in their younger viewers, but also keeping, you know, the old farts like us engaged. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's a, it's, a pretty, uh, it's a pretty precarious balancing act they're trying to pull off here. But More as far as, like, yeah, like the actual Mandalorian portions of the show we've seen so far, I, I've really in, enjoyed those parts of the season so far. And it was awesome seeing uh, Grogu's uh, rescue from the Jedi Temple finally. We know Kelleran Beck yes. was just an absolute badass Jedi who just went in and just cleaned house and got that kid right the fuck out of there too sweet. Which I like that. I like that little redemption, you know. Seeing Ahmad Best come back. Yeah, yeah. just, just you know, awesome. on a personal level because that, I mean, that guy got death threats, man. For... Yeah, all, all for doing what was written on the fucking page. <laughs> yes, that was completely George Lucas's fault. And, yeah, he's you know, Jar Jar I'm Binks glad... in the original trilogy for those, yeah. or uh, in the, uh, the second trilogy, sorry, for those unaware. Yeah, yeah, I guess we should have clarified that. Um, yeah. But I'm, but I'm glad, like, he got a little redemption because finally this guy gets to be a hero because he played such a bumbling fool, you know. Right. That like once again, like you said, it's not his fault. But he get to be a hero now and see that he was the one who was really there to save a beloved character that we now right. absolutely love. And not even save it, like convincingly. There were so many, so many like stormtroopers just taking it. He would just blast it right through him like it was nothing. It was double blading it, man. I mean, yeah, it was just great. Like picks up another person's, you know, a fallen Jedi's lightsaber, just picks it up and starts swinging it around and. Blasting, you know, or deflecting blaster bolts every which way. And that's my favorite part of the Jedi shit is you want to see the laser swords and to see that yes. like someone actually do badass laser sword shit. It's like this is amazing. Like I was so happy watching that part of that episode. Yes, and, and I, Carl and Weathers I directed that that episode too, man. That was fucking incredible. Oh, interesting. Wow, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that from Carl Weathers. He just doesn't seem it like a director great. kind of guy, but but I guess he can pull it off. Yeah, hell yeah, he can. Absolutely yeah. terrific. And now they've only got two episodes left. How much more story like could they possibly try to tell this season? Like it's are, are they actually going to take uh Mandalore back or I don't know or take it from whom? Like is, is that where Thrawn and his and and the lost fleet are hiding? Like what's they basically only have like what uh an hour left <laughs> to wrap up this season? Well, they get about 2 hours, I guess. They're about 40 40 minutes, 42 minutes each episode. But usually they've that last ep- episode they've had some short episodes this season though, a couple yeah. of 30 minutes. That there. last so, yeah, episode so like, usually runs closer to an hour though. So okay. I think they're going to put a lot of stuff into that. But is that um, enough time to wrap it up? Like wh- where where are they going this season? Well, they're obviously not wrapping it up cuz they're going to be like, well, we we need to just put something out there, an amazing cliffhanger so you guys tune in next season. Oh, um, or whatever show is going to continue the story. Like, is Ahsoka going to pick up with Ahsoka's going to tie in? Okay, I guarantee that that there's going to be some link. And I, I, I think you hit on something. I think you're going to see 
a hint of Thrawn in this thing. Um, I since I didn't watch the Clone Wars animated, so I don't know if he was directly involved with the battle with the Mandalorians and the Jedi during the Clone Wars. Do you know much about that? I got no clue. All I know is okay. like at the end of uh, the show, he was uh, heading off to the Outer Rim with, with with this Jedi kid, and they were both never seen or heard from again. And okay. like this is where Ahsoka's supposed to pick up is like they're she's looking for this kid now. And yeah, you know, I feel like the mix somehow. they're going to tie something there to give them to because you got you you do have to meld these worlds. I mean, we we've seen our characters interact with each other in these different uh, TV shows. So I think you're going to have something else to kind of introduce something. Um, I think, you know, I don't know about the armor. I, I, I wonder about her motives, if they're going to set something up with her. Yeah, are they trying to give her like a villain? Yeah, like kinda, I, kinda I don't know if they've right got a, a turn for her or if she's just being pure and naive or is she being manipulative. Um, you're obviously going to get um, uh, Grand Moff... Uh, Gideon. Gideon, thank you. I keep seeing Tarkin, but uh, yeah, yeah, Gideon, you're going to see him show up at least either next episode or the last episode. He's got to be in the next episode for sure. Like the next two episodes, like they, you have Giancarlo Esposito, like you have to, you yeah. can't leave him on the sidelines. He's going to come. He's What I think he's got to do, he's got to come up there and challenge Bo-Katan, you know, for, for that, the dark the saber, saber again. again. Yes. Yeah. And I think... Now, this is just a theory that I, I kind of subscribe to. I've, I've, I've heard it. And this isn't mine. Um, but I think that he's also going to be returning with a stronger army of dark troopers. But these ones are going to made out of the Mandalorian armor, though. Like the, all the, oh, the Beskar armor yeah, that the, they the have Beskar armor, yeah. stolen over the years when they were the Empire. I think he's going to plate them. Oh, you wow. know, and that's thing. So, you know, he, that solves his Luke Skywalker problem. If he, that, he ever shows yeah, up again right. and it should, uh, you know, make for a more interesting foe for the Mandalorians to fight because, you know, they're all about, no, we don't make weapons out of this. Right. But I think they're going to be forced to change their ways and actually make wake weapons like they did in season two for Din Djarin. They made him that spear. Boy, or, they could really throw Luke in anywhere. At this point, right until you know the the tragedy with fucking with with Ben Solo happens, like really they could Luke Skywalker could be in everything from here on out, right? You, you could have him in there. You could have some other Jedi characters out there. I mean, Cal Kestis. I, I don't know what his fate is because um, we haven't seen the uh, the new game drop yet. Um, but I assume he's going to be living throughout that game. So, yeah. like, is he still out there in the universe? I he, he obviously is canon in the universe, right? But he takes place before Jedi, right? But before Return of the Jedi, he, he takes place in after uh, Revenge of the Sith, in between uh, that and essentially the New Hope. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's in that that the Empire's you know time of uh, uh, complete control. But it but in post Jedi time, he could conceivably be like in his mid forties. Yeah, he like could during, still be out there doing the yeah. same thing that you know we're expected to see Daisy Ridley doing with her with her movie that she's going to be in is you know Jedi. helping to rebuild the Jedi Order. Yeah, um, you know that's that that's and, always been the ultimate goal for them. I'm excited to see where that one goes, but there's no way in fuck Grogu isn't in that movie, right? He's somewhere. He he He's has to be in, in that movie. I I wonder if it's a bad idea to take him down the Mandalorian path. It just doesn't seem like Instead of letting like him be a Jedi? Yeah. yeah. Like, I just, I don't, 
like I get it. Like you want to keep those characters together. They're they're terrific. Mm. But like I I got like I just rolled my eyes when I saw Grogu there having to have his first one on one match with another trainee. Ooh, yeah, you know? that was a little painful. And just watching him do his little flips and stuff like that. I'm just like I'm not buying it. You know, it, it's just like you can't see this this little thing wearing an armor piece and you know yeah. doing all that stuff, but using his Jedi powers. Right. I I just I well, don't know. Maybe in the Mandalorian movie, like you know, if Din Djarin dies, maybe like you know that'll that'll free Gogu to to let go and you know fully give to the Jedi Order or something. You know. Well, something. I mean, well, if you're gonna do anything like that, you gotta at least get Grogu talking. You know, so yeah. he can be. Well, a that'll be his character. first word. Is he'll say "Dad" when Din Djarin dies, and then you know. Then he'll go from there. <laughs> That'd be kind of a sad thing to happen. I don't. I, don't I know, but they need yeah. an Empire Strikes Back moment, man. Like, well, that's you do. The thing to do. Yeah, but I think you had the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> moment in a way, except yeah. it was on a much higher note. Is when Grogu was leaving with Luke, and it's like, yeah, ah, this is the end. And where do we go from here? You know, that's what's happier, what's the man. story to be told? And they just they fucked all that up. I just I'm kind of annoyed with it. Yeah. You know, and if you don't watch the book of Boba Fett, like you really like starting over the, at the Mandalorian, you're like, okay, what the fuck happened? Yeah, that makes no sense, right? Like you had yeah. to watch that episode once again. That's why I argue they should have made that episode episode one of season three. It would have mm-hmm. made so much more sense, and you know, you don't have to fill your goddamn season with these side mission episodes because it yeah. it really does feel like we're playing a video game here where it's like oh okay you got the main stuff going on your main characters that you got to fight but mm-hmm. you can either follow that path or you can take these side missions and, and get a little bit more gameplay and learn about the world a little bit more right and like that last episode i keep going back to it it's you know you've got all these random characters and cameos showing up which which are fun but i mean what purpose does this episode really serve the whole story Right. Okay. I got. Okay. I'm glad you brought the, brought up this episode. Like the, uh, like it, to me, like Star Wars always, always had people that became famous because they were in Star Wars. Yes. They never really had famous people in Star Wars. Nope. So to me, like to to see Jack Black, and then you're like, oh shit, there's Jack Black. He's like, oh shit, that's Elizabeth. And then two seconds later, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher I immediately Lloyd. go. I was like, ooh. I was like, this isn't good. Like, because I'd say that's way too many stars. Like, there's something. Like this, this is a pretty thin episode. As soon as you see Christopher Lloyd, it's like, okay, there's too much star power in this. This is going to be terrible. And man, it was, boy, it was a razor thin plot wise episode, man. That very, was, very thin. Like I, I ooh, get, like I can appreciate that wasn't it. Good. It's like, oh, okay, but it's yeah, this is a little side detective story. Okay, yeah, fine. But honestly, I mean, it's like you're inventing things to them for them to do so you can get to the end. Like, it, okay, what was Christopher Lloyd's whole motivation in that episode anyway? Like, I don't, he. So he was, he is still a separatist at heart, believes that, you know, the, the Republic itself is terrible. Uh, He's, he is very much against the new Republic, which, you know, at least, at least that's one good thing this Mandalorian season is showing us is how inept and shitty the new Republic is. And you almost, um, cheer for the new order (laughs) or the first order when it comes back. But yeah, it's it's, it's a bit like how the government was in, uh, in demolition, man, like after the big earthquake. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, it's it's this this idea of like, okay, we have all these high hopes, we're gonna bring this, make this utopian world, but mm-hmm. it's really it's just like, no, we're just a bunch of bumbling idiots who yep. are really no better than the previous administration because we don't know any better. Yeah, it's 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 
like I get it now and I, I, I can see it's a good way to lay that foundation now if you ever you know you didn't watch any of the animated or, or TV shows you just watch the movies and you're wondering as like okay the Empire was destroyed in Return of the Jedi and all of a sudden you're, you're going to the Force Awakens and now there's the First Order what the hell happened Right. At least they're laying a good groundwork here to show you is like, yeah, this is why the the, fourth, the first order popped up because yeah. the New Republic can't do shit. Like they're just they're totally inept and inept. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That was and, the and, word I was looking for. And yeah. haven't changed. You know, they're just the same people, just with a different uh, coat of paint on them. You know, right. But and then in like in a very Harry Potter sort of way at the end of the episode, like because of earlier in the season. Din Djarin was defeated while using the saber, and then Bo-Katan uh. beat the assassin robot who beat him. Like, he just handed her the dart saber back, which gives her full control of Mandalore again. Right? Yeah, this whole how? loophole of who can have what. This is, like, I've tried to watch videos on this and have people explain this to me. <laughs> like, they've gone through the history of this thing, and they're just like, no, it's technically, it belongs to Darth Sidious, because Sidious took it from Darth Maul, and all this stuff, and they're just like, yeah. It just comes to a point where you're just like, okay, fuck it. Um, Wait, Darth yeah. Sidious had, that, that was his lightsaber at one point? He technically got it because he fought Darth Maul again when because Maul had had won it from somebody in the Clone Wars I got that much and yeah and then somewhere Sidious came along Sidious and Vader had come along and were, they were battling it out they defeated Maul but they didn't take the dark saber like they left it on uh <laughs> Where is this shit in live action, man? Give me an I, hour special you. that shows the yeah, history of the dark I, I saber. Feel, Holy shit. This is the crazy shit about this is wow. like they're they want they want to build this mythology around this black saber, this dark saber, yeah. but you know if you want the whole thing, it's like Disney's just telling you it's like no, you got to go watch all this material and read all this all oh these uh, you know extended universe books and stuff, and it's like no, I don't have time for that. Right. <sighs> it's like just give but, me a one hour special. That's all. I'm, that's all I need. It sounds amazing. Yeah. I would I would totally love to see Darth Maul and Darth Sidious going at it with Vader like rooting along on the sidelines or something. Or just Holy make it shit. just make this whole story simple and just say, look, if I beat you, I get it. Or if I just happen to find the dark saber, guess what? That's it. I you, you know, it's yeah. your job to take it from me. You know, mm -hmm. it's just huh. it's it's so convoluted with this whole thing because it, it because it did feel like a record scratch moment at the end of this thing where it's like, huh? I thought you mm -hmm. had to uh, you know actually win in combat here, but yeah, Din Djarin's like, no, I found this loophole where. Where it's just like, yeah, this other guy beat me, and she beat that guy, so technically right. she gets technically, it. This yes. is hers. You're I'm welcome. Just, I'm just rolling my eyes this way. I was like, okay, we could have just skipped three episodes here and just got right to this point. Oh man, I know. In fact, even last season, because last season he was like, here, take it. You know? She's like, I can't. Now she's like, no, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, now she has no problem be like wielding the thing. Okay. <sighs> it's. It's just, it's too much packed into this season. And I, oh, I want the she, lone gunslinger. Yeah. Is it, are, are we to like infer that she is force sensitive since she's able to wield a dark saber like pretty easily? I don't think Din so. And can't. I, so why is she able to use it and he can't? Okay. So I, I think that this is also explained in some of the Clone Wars uh television oh, really? series i've just read some little things about this where there's an episode where somebody's teaching somebody else you know things about this dark saber and how yeah like uh kyber crystals and all this stuff they 
sense the feelings of the user and they, it, it, it's oh. all flowing to that crystal and you know depending on what your thought process is you know it could make it much harder for you to wield so we're, we're assuming that Din Djarin is you know he's a troubled character and he you know somebody who doesn't feel that he's worthy and all this stuff so it's making it harder for him to wield the damn thing where uh other characters can wield it with ease because they're like, oh, this is mine. And, you know, it's, right. it's all about, you know, my power and all that stuff. So take huh. that for what it's worth. I I don't know. I don't I don't think she's going to be sports sensitive because once again, that that destroys the whole world that they're building, at least that I like. I don't want to see a world where everybody's got a level of force sensitivity. And hey, everybody has midichlorians. And, yeah, you know and, I mean? and you can all, you know, anybody, <laughs> if you just try hard enough, you can be a Jedi, right? I mean, right, you know, yeah. I do like the idea that it's just, you know, a few people just have that power. And, you know, if you're one of those people, well, that's that's your destiny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's... How many force sensitive mechanics are there out there? Like, you know what I mean? Just yeah. willing screwdrivers to themselves. Like, all right, I don't need that laser sword bullshit. I'm good. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any because they all end up just on Tatooine, just like collecting junk. So yeah, Tatooine's where they all go. Yeah, it is the center of the galaxy after all. It, you is, know, it seems man. like it. It's got two suns. It's the place to be. Yeah, everybody ends up there at one point or another. Uh, yeah. So we got two episodes left this season. Yeah. Let's. I mean, let's see if they can pull us out and see where they go with it. Um, I've enjoyed the that, series, so I'm not going to just shit on it totally, but they've got some improvement to do here. They've got to figure something out. Yeah. I did like, I did, I did kind of like the, the Muppetiness of like the alien pirate group. I, I did kind of enjoy them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, they weren't the worst thing I had seen. I, there was a certain charm to it. You know what I mean? It had a very Hitchhiker's Guide kind of feel to it. There is. And okay, this is this is like once this is my love hate relationship with Disney. Yeah. Is like I like the idea, yes, in a world wherever you're gonna be, where there's people trading goods and services, there's always mm-hmm. gonna be pirates, right? There's gonna be thieves. Yeah. So I like mm-hmm. that. But why do you have to model all your characters after like, you know, the 1700s version of a pirate, you know, yeah. like down to the point where the ship they're flying has a wheel, like a, <laughs> a, a, a naval ship back in the 1600s or something like, yeah, he and, was dressed pretty pomp too. Yes. Yeah, so like he's got a long and beard shit. and all yeah. this stuff. And they talk like pirates and it's just, everybody was me hearty. Yeah. Yes. And I'm just kind of like, like, okay, I, I get it. Like uh. it, that appeals to what kids understand. But for someone like me, I don't need you to spoon feed me this childish garbage. Like, I'm fine with a pirate being somebody like Boba Fett from the original trilogy. Somebody who's just out there, hey, I'm here to collect some money. I'm going to take what's yours, and that's it. That's a pirate. You know, because in Mm -hmm. real life, yeah, pirates are pretty goddamn nasty people. Like, yeah, for sure. Give me that, but you can't. It's Disney, right? You can't show any of that stuff. You've got to make it fun for children. And, it's just like, it's charming, but it's annoying at the same time. And it's it's the, the constant issue I have with it. The, the give and take of watching this stuff that I love. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, 
some more news out of uh, Star Wars Celebration. The Acolyte seems to be, like, people seem to be pretty positive on that one, like, from what was shown and all that. It's like the uh, the Dawn of the Jedi, basically, right? Which I think that is going to be entertaining. I think- oh, wait, no, that's a separate movie they're doing. That's James, that James Mangold. He's the one doing yes. the Dawn of the Jedi, right? Yeah. But the Acolyte is, it's before, like, the High Republic starts. Like, yeah. that's what leads into the Which High is what Republic, we've been right? calling for. I think as fans Forever. is like, hey, right. we we've seen everything you got in this time zone. Here, let's let's go back a thousand years or yeah. twenty thousand years. Like we've heard, yeah, over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights have you know been the production or have been the defenders of, of truth or peace and justice in the old republic. I want to mm-hmm. see that world. Let me see the world before the old republic, yeah, and and see where that was and how we get to a point where you were able to take these billions and trillions of people from all these star systems and bring them together under one, you know, mm-hmm. centralized government, essentially. Like, I think that would be a fascinating story to tell, especially, you know, given our today's political climate, you know, where, you know, we, we have, a, we have a government in our, just in our United States where, you know, you just have two parties there that can't get along. How do you get all these people? It, it's a fascinating thing to address. Right. So yeah. I, like, I am looking forward to those movies and those TV shows. I think it's going to be a great way to take the series. And plus you're not going to be hindered by this whole Skywalker thing. And you know, this, all this other bullshit they want to tell you, like you have to create new characters. Now somebody we don't know nothing about. Right. And they've actually been filming too. Like the people at celebration apparently saw like all sorts of trailers for that haven't been released online for the skeleton crew, which is a Jude law has been confirmed, which is going to be fascinating. I think that's going to be a great show. Yeah, but the acolyte—that's that's the one I'm really excited for. Like, and Ahsoka too, like, because they uh, they actually put that trailer out online, and man, if, if, as I said earlier, like my favorite part of of the Space Wizards is definitely the laser swords. And man, this one looks like it's gonna be fucking action packed. Yeah, I cannot wait to see that show, man. And this is th- th- fascinating enough. Like, like I had a big problem with this Ahsoka because. At the time before, like, she was showing up in live action, mm-hmm. like, the only thing I knew of her was from that Clone Wars animated movie. Right. And I remember I remember just, like, hating that character. I was like, I just, this is horrible. Can't do this. And, but once I saw this in live action, this is a character that's obviously grown up mm-hmm. and has become a complete badass, you know, yep. somebody who is... Much like, maybe because it's much like Luke Skywalker, it's somebody who's like almost turned their back on the ways of the Jedi, but mm-hmm. can't fully turn their back, right? They're still like, there's, mm-hmm. I still believe in the good. I'm not being pulled to the dark side. I right. believe there's inherent good that, that I have to do, I have to take care of because only I have that power. And I'm fascinated it, where they can go with this character. And a bit of an Anakin sort of way too. Like they do believe like, you know, they, like they believe in having attachments. Like they're not afraid to, to care yes. for others. Which I've... Like, yeah, that whole thing, like, that's, I remember watching the original. That's a weird part original, of the Jedi Code, I always felt. Yeah, yeah you watch that first, <laughs> that first, uh, uh, or the, the first uh, prequels, right? Mm-hmm. And you remember, I remember just thinking, man, Yoda and the Jedi are a bunch of dicks, man. Because they're just right. like telling Anakin, like, oh, no, you you don't need to cry about anybody. You know, just let people go. You know, right. just rejoice for their death. It's like, no. You're still human beings or whatever. All these characters obviously have emotions. You can't just cut yourself off. I mean, otherwise you're just a goddamn robot. Yeah. Like I, I believe that that like they are building the new world of saying, you know, we don't have to believe in this, you know, completely religious dogma, but at the same time, we don't have to, you know, give in 
and just be all emotions like the Sith. There has to be something right. in the middle, right? Why can't we just choose that? That's why I like the characters like this because they're they're forging that path. So it's mm-hmm. going to be fascinating where they where they can tell the story. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. So we're, our, our cup literally going to be runneth over. Oh man, for we're, the next couple of years on Star Wars stuff. Yeah, it used to be just like we were like oh getting overrun by Marvel stuff, which we're still going to. But I feel like like Disney is really focusing in on Star Wars now again. They're like, hey, we paid four billion dollars for this. We are going to soak this for everything we got now. So here you go, guys. You wanted stuff. Here you go. Here it is. Yeah, like and especially too, like uh, there, there's a big Marvel slowdown going. Like we're only getting maybe one or two movies or one or two shows like a year for the next couple. I think they're definitely trying to, they're trying to ease the, uh, the superhero fatigue. A they bit need and, to. Know, they need to. Why not pump I, up the Star Wars stuff? Yeah. I'm all for it. You need something different. I yeah, I'm I'm with you. I will start consuming a lot of star Wars and get tired of that and say, yeah, where's, where's my ant man and my iron man again. <laughs> but, uh, right. you know, until that time, like right now, yeah, I am I, just watching, uh, all the recent star or, uh, superhero stuff. It's just kind of like, uh, I need a break. I, I just can't yeah, keep watching you. this. Cause I'm not, I'm not as enthralled as I was watching phase one through three. It's just not happening. Yeah. Hey, so given uh, what, what we've seen in the first season of Andor, which is just top tier fucking storytelling, and like Rogue One and all it is, is watching the movies in the machete order even warranted anymore? Uh, I think there's stuff you could still watch and not not have to watch. I mean, uh, you could obviously skip mo- most of episode one for sure. But I mean, as far as uh, as far as watching them like in this in the crowd in the in the order of which the events happen, I mean, I think that's got to be the superior viewing or, viewing order right has now because you know, Andor, Rogue One, Episode Four, Five, Six, blah blah blah. Like you know, as far as like jumping around and cutting out movies, and you start with four and five, then you go back to two and three, then you go to six. I don't know if that sort of disjointed watching order is even needed anymore. Like to, I don't know if it improves the story. I don't think it does. Like it once, I think it depends yeah. on what kind of viewer you are, though. Um, if you're somebody who just <laughs> has to kind of consume this stuff, um, like, yeah. like we do, yeah, you're going to, you would love to just, okay, I'm going to watch this all in chronological order. And then of course I'm going to go back and just watch it, the, you know, you know, as the movies yep. were released, you know, and, and just enjoy mm-hmm. it that way. You know, I, I'm a completionist, so I kind of have to do that. I'm, but I say that with a caveat that yes, I have, I have put my foot down and said, yeah, I'm just not going to watch some of this animated stuff. I just, I can't do it. I will. I will read read up yeah. on what I need to know about that stuff, and if I actually have to go back and watch an episode, I will, because that's what I do. That's, that's what I fair. do. But yeah, yeah, like if you're asking me, like, could, could I actually go back and watch consume everything Star Wars, including like all that animated stuff, just to feel like a completionist? Not the okay. animated stuff, but like, could you do? Could you start from Episode One? And roll through like just you like know, live action, live action and, stuff, including Andor and Mandal. Yeah, just do live action. Sure. Could you do it all? Yeah, I think that would be a fun thing to do. Um, it'd be even it'd be even better if you were like watching it with somebody who hasn't seen Star Wars before. Because um, I would yeah, be fascinated like, good luck to see. These days doing that. Yeah, 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 it's hard, but they're out there. Trust me, they're yeah. out there. Um, I th- I think it would be fascinating, but then I would, at the same time I would have a hard time saying okay. If I found somebody who just has never seen a Star Wars film, how would I want them to watch it? Would I want them to watch it in the chronological right. order of, of the events? Or would I really say, look, you should just watch it the way everybody else watched it. You know, start with A New Hope and go from there. Yeah. It's it's a hard choice. Uh, 
Because one thing I do love to do is if I'm sitting with somebody and I'm watching them watch something the first time, I, I enjoy seeing them have that same awe and that same experience that I had when I first saw it for the first time. It's, it's fun to do. Right. It's, it, it, it's almost allowing you to kind of relive that a little bit and enjoy it. Right. Yeah. As long as they like it. You ever shown somebody something and hopefully they like it and they don't? It's like, oh, shit, that went horrible. So, That's not what I expected yeah, at all. And you, you can get that, guys. Um, in case you hadn't read, uh, they are going to release uh, Return of the Jedi back into theaters, what, April 28th, I believe? Are they yeah, really? It's going to be a they're, – they're, they're bringing it out there in, in uh, certain theaters just for its upcoming 40th anniversary um, of its oh. release, which well, – I, Are they doing special popcorn buckets or anything I, to get me out? Because I mean, I I could quote that fucking movie front to back. Like, you know yes, I mean? that that movie. Like, I can't do like the original trilogy. I can quote most of the whole thing. Like, I'm you, you want to go toe to toe in trivia and any of those things. Like, I can just beat anybody. Right. But Return of the Jedi especially has like a special place in my heart because that is yeah the first Star Wars movie that I ever saw in theaters. Like, I was wow. a very young kid. I remember to this day standing in a long line to get into that thing. And the only thing I remember about being in the theater and watching it is seeing Jabba the Hutt and then watching speeders go through a forest. That's the only thing I could really remember from that. But <laughs> damn, if that didn't stick with me though, because after that, like I was all into star Wars. Like I would had everything. I was trading cars, toys, you know, everything I could get my hands on star Wars as a kid. I loved. So, right. And that, you know, it just, it just made, made me kind of where I am today, who I am today. So, so yeah, I would right, probably yeah. try to go check that out in theaters. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Really? Yeah. I, I guess for Star Wars events too, like you could always expect people to show up dressed oh, accordingly. Yes. Like you'll always see a few Jedi, there'd be a couple of stormtroopers, like you know. So it's it could be. fun. You might see that one brave lady show up in the in the Leia bikini, you know, if she chooses. <laughs> or a guy like me. You know what yes, I mean? yeah. exactly. <laughs> that could happen too. Yeah, <laughs> you're not ruling anything out. So. Right, yeah. I mean, you're gonna get people cosplaying for Star Wars movies. You're probably gonna get people showing up in flight suits for you know Top Gun three, like whenever the fuck that. Oh, that's was. definitely coming out. Definitely. Is it? Oh, of course it is. Okay. Uh, given how much money, like let's just okay. So this week's movie, we're gonna go right to it. We watched Top Gun Maverick, and for those unaware, it made an absolute dumpster full of money. What was total gross was over a billion. It's almost right? one point five billion dollars worldwide. Fuck. Are you kidding? One point five billion. Yeah, and that's that's and that's on a paltry budget. I mean, and, and this isn't chump change, but it's one hundred seventy million, at least <laughs> according to the internet. You know, one hundred seventy right. million dollars. Like, think about that. Think about you know, Avengers Endgame had you know probably like <sighs> two times that, three times that amount for their budget. I mean, granted, they had a much larger cast of people they had to pay, but still, mm-hmm. one hundred seventy billion or million dollars, and your your return on that investment. 1.5 billion. It's 10 times oh as much, basically. God. Yeah. What do you think Tom Cruise's back end oh, was? That, just staggering. I mean, that guy never had to work again a day in his life anyway, but now, my God. I mean, but now he's especially. an executive producer on that thing. He's, he was a writer on this thing. Jesus. I mean, he was. He was. He a was writer on this yes. Thing? I believe he, he was a co writer on this. I mean, uh, hopefully I'm not doing this. Okay, I don't see him listed on there. Maybe, maybe he's not. I thought he, I thought he was listed as a writer as well. But yeah, I think uh, 
Yeah, I can't see him listening no, to yeah. that. Well, I'm sure, like, any movie he's in, I'm sure he at least write Like, he's got a lot of say. Oh, he has in input on this whole thing, movies, yeah. I'm I mean, sure. just the, the stuff that he made the actors go through on this thing. Like, obviously, he's got a lot of pull. and Yeah, just to make them pretend to be pilots, he made them go through, like, actual pilot school, basically, right? Yes, a whole, like, three-month course. Like, how? I... Like just in fly, uh, uh, like so. Did they actually did these people actually learn how to fly planes, or are they just riding like shotgun and planes the whole time? Like, as I think are... a lot of it is is riding shotgun. It's it's just you know because a lot of the a lot of the uh, stunts that were happening in this were actually in real planes. So when you're watching them struggle and their heads are going side to side, that's them being put through the ringer. Is it really? You know, by pilots. Yeah. Jesus. So if you if you've ever watched like the making of the first Top Gun, a lot of that is on sound stages. You know, we're in in you know cockpit pieces where they're kind of just rocking that stuff around right and they got the camera in front and you got a you know black scene be- or blue scene behind it this one no they're in real aircraft i mean there is a just to film a movie like jesus man. yeah i mean but this is from the guy who is going to outer space to film a movie so like i expect nothing less from this guy well, he, this, the next Avengers movie, somebody better actually become the fucking Hulk. Like that's that's yes. the, that's the part Tom Cruise is set from here on out. Yeah, Tom Cruise, he might he might do it. He might like yeah, expose me to gamma radiation. Right. Yeah. See what, let's roll Just, those dice, man. You never know. Yes, I will do anything for this film. Yeah, and this film too, like it had a runtime. Like it was, it's uh, two hours and ten minutes. It is just, I can't believe how much movie there is to fucking watch with this goddamn thing. Well, okay, you say that. I will say that they've used those two hours very good in this movie. It's very well. Oof. Um, unlike, so if, if you do the side-by-side comparisons of Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, there's a lot of improvements that they've made from those from those two stories. Like the first Top Gun, if you really look at it, it's not a great story. It's just like an 80s action film that you watch and right. you just enjoy. Because... The character of Maverick starts off as a hotshot, crazy pilot, and he just ends as a hotshot. Like, he really can't do Isn't any that, wrong. But that's exactly what he does here, too. He starts well, as a hotshot and ends as a hotshot. At least they're showing a little bit of growth with this character now. He only has growth because he has fucking gray hair now. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I think they're they're giving him an actual arc, at least this time, where he's got somewhere to go. Like, so... Yeah, let's just get, get into, into the like, plot here. Like, so... Yeah. So, yeah, okay, let me just give, give you a quick plot. So yeah, we, we pick up, uh, you know, approximately, what, 35 years later or so. Yeah, 87 um, years From later. the events like of that. Top Gun. And we are joined by or, or meeting up with uh, Captain Pete Mitchell, who was the who plays Maverick, our protagonist. And he is now a test pilot for the Navy. Still an officer. Um, still in there. Still like, only a captain. Probably even 40 he's years. Been. He's been in for like fifty years. Yeah, but a cap—I mean, a captain—that's pretty, pretty high up, though. I mean, that, that's like colonel in uh, Air Force and all that. So, is it? You're, you're, yeah, you're up there, pretty high. But yeah, but he's acting as a test pilot, and he's still, you know, acting in his renegade ways, where he's just like pushing the envelope, defying orders, and all that kind of stuff. But before the Navy can actually discipline him for taking a uh, test jet up and crashing it and grounding him permanently. Uh, a national security issue has, ro- has arisen, um, and they need the very best pilot to come in there, come back to Top Gun, and train their Navy pilots on how to take out a secret target, a nuclear target. 
it and save the day. Oh, and the only, only person that can do that is Maverick. Yeah, he's the only one, only person qualified in the entire universe at uh, blasting yeah. something you know, no bigger than the size of about two meters. <laughs> we'll get to that. High velocity. We'll, we'll talk about that. But... Yeah, so we so Maverick goes back to Top Gun. We meet up with a lot of his students that show up there. One of them happens to be the son. Well, these aren't even of, his for, like like he hasn't like taught these people yet, right? He's all, he's meeting like this group for the first time, basically. No, this is this is all going to be yeah. These are just going to be the students that he's got to weed out and okay. pick who's going to be first team and second team, all that kind of stuff. Right. But among that group is his former. Uh, Co-pilot or Rio, as they called him, um, Goose, who died in the first uh, first movie. His son is now a pilot in the Navy and has gone to Top Gun and one of the best people who and was picked for this uh, mission. So there is drama going on there where you know these guys, uh, Top or Maverick and uh, Goose's son. His name is Rooster. His call sign is Rooster. They don't like each other. We have to feel that tension throughout this thing, but it turns out when it comes time for the mission, you know, Maverick gets them all trained up. He picks, you know, his team and, you know, among all the people that he picks to be his wingman, it's going to be Goose's, Goose's son and they fly the most dangerous mission, which is a lot of fun. And lo and behold, uh, Maverick saves the day and, you know, the world is safe for democracy going forward, you know, $1.5 billion later. But... That is a very quick overview of this movie um, right off the cuff. So we can kind of get into what, what's going on in this movie. Like I said, we start this movie off with Maverick being a test pilot for the Navy. And he's flying this, what looks like a, a new version a of the SR-71. Something like yeah. that, yeah. And and there is callbacks to this. If you didn't no, notice, like on the tail and inside the cockpit there, there is a little skunk uh, icon on there. Uh-huh. If you're not aware what that is, that is Lockheed Martin's Skunk Works. Um, you know, secret uh, department that made a lot of the top secret stuff that the Air Force now flies. The oh, B-2, no the SR-71, they're the ones who designed all that stuff. Oh. Um, very famous. It's a fascinating story to go back and read that. But I, th- I don't know if that was like supposed to be a Lockheed plane or if that was just the crew putting that on there as a, as a nice little callback. But I don't oh. like that. Okay. This movie is full of callbacks, as you would expect from a, a sequel. And if, if we remember them all, we'll, we'll kind of talk about them as we go. But I mean, what did, what did you think? Like starting off, like of, of this whole thing, you know, here's Maverick. He's no longer on the aircraft because the movie starts like just like the original one on an aircraft carrier. You know, everybody's you know giving high fives, planes yeah. are taking off, and then we just go away from that and we show up in the middle of the Mojave Desert, like farthest away from you know any water, right? Right. Yeah, out of nowhere too, basically. So how did how did you like it starting off this way? I mean, what 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 were your expectations going in? It was really cool. Like it was a cool scene to see. Like you know, like all, all the pilot shit. Like in the the Top Gun movies. Like you know, it's arguably pretty cool stuff. So it was a pretty cool opening scene. I just question why it was exactly needed. Like they literally could have just had Maverick already in an office and someone's talking to him about his stoner's career way and well, your old buddy, you know, the Admiral's good. You know, looking out for you, he's giving you one more chance. Like, so this whole first scene, not even necessary, in my opinion. Like, I, they could have saved I, all that money I, for something else later on down the road. The whole, the, you know, why show the Dark Star if you were, it wasn't going to come back later in the movie? We're like, only these pilots can fly this thing now. Like, some shit. Like, they had, why why show it and then not ever approach it again? It just, it felt like a waste. Yeah, it, that, yeah, in a way, yeah, that stuff doesn't come back. But I, there are some stuff that it does help to show. 
Um, the one thing it does show is that, yes, Maverick is now this older man. He, he's still willing to take chances, um, you know, and disobey orders. So we, we get that. We know that he's still the renegade. And then number two, what it tries to show him as, and I kind of got this more in the second time I saw this, is it, it makes, it shows his character that he's, no longer thinking of just himself now he he is thinking of other people out there right so his whole his whole motivation for this whole in a way yes because i i can see the flaws already coming out in my argument you know he's flying his jet but he wants to save the program he wants to save all the people that are working on this thing and keep it going so and ed harris makes a point to point this out yeah you've only bought these people some time ed harris is in this movie for 35 seconds yes but so through, through through Maverick's you know actions of trying to help people though he fucks it all up by saying you know what I'm gonna push this beyond the the 10.0 mock yeah level he, that we he, he saves the do. program he he takes the flight against orders and and he's done it but then like in a very Maverick sort of way he fucking buzzes the tower yes which he didn't need to do like he he's already <laughs> gone he already met the threshold of everything that they ever wanted to do in the whole damn thing anyway yep and then he's like you know what i saved the program and then two seconds later he destroyed it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like that sure did. so it's it's kind of ridiculous on that but it's also supposed to show that yes he's just a complete badass um it's one of those things I don't know if I totally question the ability. I don't think there's a plane out there that can actually go Mach 10. Like, I don't even know if those like hypersonic missiles go that fast. I, I don't know for sure, but if anybody knows, put that in the comments and just let me know. Um, right. But yeah, because they, they wanted to, I, I kind of feel like that some of this movie though is a lot of, Hey Tom, we're, we're glad you came back and you know, we're going to kind of kiss your ass throughout this movie and kind of let you do what you want and show you that you're just like the most amazing person in the world. Cause I feel like, cause they keep saying this stuff like, Oh man, he's the fastest guy alive now. And you know, he's, he's just done all this other stuff and it's like, oh, okay, I, I get that. But he, he's not because uh, you know, there are astronauts who have flown in space that are flying around the, the Earth right now at 17,000 miles an hour. Right. You know. Which Way I, faster. Yeah, I think that's faster than the 7,000 miles an hour he's going at Mach 10. Yeah. So, I digress. <laughs> um, I, I think that they're they're just trying to set that up a little bit. And it, a little bit is just, a, we, we, we need a, a good action scene to grab you as the viewer. Like, you know, you, you I, came I here guess. to watch Top I mean, Gun. Yeah, I know. it just felt like they could have saved that, I guess. You know what I mean? They could have. But I, I'm, in a way, I'm kind of glad they didn't because it's it's kind of what I expect from a uh, a Tom Cruise film. I mean, the guy goes all out on his stuff and the team, the people he surrounds himself does. So I give him credit for that. But yes, I agree. I think it's a, a little extraneous, but yeah, it's entertaining. So... So then after all this, we get to Top Gun where we're introduced to all the young pilots we're going to be meeting and, you know, Goose and all that. And like you said, but we're also introduced to a character who, uh, in a movie that's already overstuffed with with plot, was completely unnecessary to the plot, is a fucking love interest for Tom Cruise in this movie. He's already dealing with... you're trying to be like you know a 50 year old badass and, and and all the risks he takes and all that and you know and mending fences with with goose's son rooster yeah <laughs> you know and all that <laughs> so the whole romance plot serves no purpose to this movie whatsoever other than to just slow it down it's well it it, it does it's not help needed. because there's no arc there's no arc to his dating like in the, it is like, a trope yeah oh well, so it, unneeded it, it's a trope of, you know, the the hero has to get the girl, right? But why? And 
because like I said, it's a trope and people it I think some people like it. I think they they like that idea of that, you know, it humanizes people, number one. Um, you know, you have to show that there are also stakes for this guy, that he can't be Maverick if there really is something to go home to. They they do point this out and the, they make a very short uh you know, reference to this, you know, and Rooster says, yeah, it's really easier for you to say any of this stuff when you are not married, you don't have any kids, blah, blah, blah. You know, you just go out there and just, you know, throw your life away for the greater good. Right. What a selfish sure. piece of shit. Yeah. They, they, you've got to humanize him by doing this. And it's, it's also, it serves the purpose of, you know, helping out those fans who love the original movie. Because her character, Jennifer Connelly's character is named Penny Benjamin. Now, if unless you really haven't, if you haven't seen Top Gun in a long time, you may even remember this name. But she is name dropped in the first 10 minutes of the film as when, when he's being, uh, when Goose and Maverick are being chewed out, you know, by the captain of yeah. the ship. By uh, uh, Mr. Strickland. What's his name? Strickland. <laughs> yeah, from Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, when they're when he's getting given him, he's like, yeah, he's like, blah blah blah. You've 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 lost your qualifications and your section leaders. Blah blah blah. And one admiral's you know, daughter. And, yeah, and one blah blah and one admiral's daughter. And Goose turns to him and says, Penny Benjamin. And you know, Tom Cruise just oh. kind of gives a little head shag. So that's the callback there, and it's it's kind of funny. It's like okay, so we learn throughout the movie here that still not needed. <laughs> It was seven. It, it was. Yeah. It added seventeen minutes to the movie. That was not needed already. You know what I mean? But there, but there is humanizing moments once again. Like I, I, I will go with it because it's humanizing moments. It's showing that yeah, Maverick is not the same guy that he used to be. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he's trying to humanize this now. Yeah, one criticism I have with this film is it it repeats a, a, some of the themes of the original film that were supposed to be resolved and throws them into this thing too. Yeah. Um. So, yes, like this whole idea of a love interest. His first love interest, Kelly McGillis, was just one of his instructors that he fell in love with. But he didn't seem like that's the girl he's just going to end up with forever. Um, they kind of hint towards it at the end, but it doesn't stick, right? Right. This one is supposed to show that, yes, they've had this off and on relationship throughout his career. Like every time they, they do something, they get back together, something happens, they get into trouble, and he can't see her anymore for the greater good. <laughs> Now she's grown up, she's got a kid, he's grown up and, you know, living on his own. He has to be humanized. He has to come back and try to salvage something that's good in his life. Cause he doesn't have anything left in his life. If he loses his, his job as a flight uh, test pilot, he has nothing. That's, I think that's one of the things that it's not necessarily said in the movie, but I think you can infer from that is that once, once he loses the Navy, that's it. He doesn't right. have anything else in his life, so this this might be the one thing he can hold on to that still brings him happiness. So I go with it, but at the same time, I can see your point because it is uh, it does take up some time. It does slow the movie down at points. Oh, I timed it. It's seventeen minutes. It's seventeen minutes. Okay, <laughs> you got it down. I did. <laughs> but it bring, but it also allows you to introduce all your other characters who are going to be the Top Gun students as they come into her bar. Yeah, but um, but it, they could have just been filed into the bar, and you get to meet all the basically like you know it, all the pilot tropes from the first movie are present in this one, except you know there, there's the added layer of, of drama with you know Maverick having killed one of the pilots' dads. Yeah, but it's not necessarily just the tropes of it, but it's actually. I, I and I would really like to do this at some point is I want to kind of run 
you know, Top Gun and Top Gun 2 at the same time and see where things hit. Mm. Because there's a lot of the same beats that are happening. A lot of the same type of things happening throughout this movie that happened in the first one. Right? So, in the first movie, where our heroes show up at People Top have a real problem with hard decks in this one. Yeah. he f- But he flirts. He goes to the bar and he finds Charlie, Kelly McGillis' character, and he begins to flirt with her. He follows her into the goddamn ladies' room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's complete creep. Yep. But, you know, he does that. And then when he, but then when he shows up that next day for first day of class, guess who shows up just walking down the center, just like Maverick does in this one? Yep. After um, he's hazed by the, by, after by the pilots. After you've been hazed by the pilots. Yes. In this one, they're all turned there and they do the same kind of thing. They're like, oh shit, we just fucked up. You know, mm-hmm. what did we do? They they do this a lot throughout this movie, and you'll you will if you've recently seen the movie, you'll really pick up on this stuff a lot. Like you'll you'll just see certain things, and to me, it's a lot of fun to do. It's kind of what I expected this movie to be. In fact, I really expect this movie to just be all that and nothing with no substance. But I was surprised, and it was fun. Yeah. Um, little other things like that, you know. Uh, so Charlie's character in the first one, she drove like an old uh, 1969 like Porsche Roadster. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Connelly's character, she drives a Porsche. You didn't <laughs> notice that. She lives in a house on the beach, just like just Kelly like Kill- yeah, character. Yeah, I noticed that part. Like yeah. a whole lot of the tropes. He, you know, the the motorcycles that that uh, Maverick rides throughout this film. Like some of the same scenes, him mm-hmm. riding on the on the ramp, on the tarmac, you and know, shit, yeah. on the tarmac, yeah. But but it's the same kind of Kawasaki motorcycles these ride. Yeah, same stuff. They're just repeating this stuff, which is once again, it's what you do in a sequel. But I, at the same but time, I didn't feel much. like they were it's like watching a fucking Michael Bay movie, man. Like just just the, no. the same exact scenes in this motherfucker. And that's where I think we disagree because I don't think they were beating us over the head with it. They could have done so much more, and we'll get to it when we get to the end of this movie. I like at they the end have... when they ripped off uh, A New Hope and Iron Eagle, all in the same Okay, let's, let's just talk about this one right here, because this this is the you first the thing that you brought up to did. me. Okay, as they're explaining the mission, like, you know, the, the exact parameters of the mission they're training for, it dawned on me very quickly that uh, what they have to do is they have to make an impossibly fast run on something that looks somewhat <laughs> through a like trench, a, through a trench into like an inverted dome-like structure where there is a two to three meter grate that they have to blast off, and then someone else has to shoot a missile down and have it blow up. Now, it's almost like they have to use photon torpedoes, <laughs> right? Or the force, or some kind of a weird, you know, the futuristic guidance system. I mean, it, it's fitting we talk so much about Star Wars, considering this is the exact end plot of A New Hope and, and the Pretty Death Star so. run, like to a T, right? Will. Like you. You, I, I, didn't I mean, just down, this out, right? like all you needed was just some crappy 1970s version of computer anim, animatronics yep. to actually show the model as it goes. Because, yes, you, you are right. Like, I remember watching this and I knew, like, I knew you were going to pick up on this right away and just be like, like, shake your head. Because I did the same thing. I was like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, down to the point, like... I almost feel like they had to say, yeah, the thing is three meters wide. Because they wouldn't have said two meters wide because then Disney would have clearly sued them. Right. Like, oh, it's three meters. So so it's easier. So your pilots are worse than the farm boy from space. Yes. And it's like, and it, and yes, like through this whole mission, it, it is so Star Wars. Oh, yeah. As, like even when you get to the trench run. Oh, my God. Actually doing this stuff. It's a grassy Death Star looking yeah. fucking structure. 
it's everybody just like, oh my God, you know, stay on target, you know, oh, stay yeah. on target. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of that stuff. So, hey, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're either going to like it for cribbing on something that you truly love, or you're going to roll your eyes and you're going to kind of say, are you serious? You guys are really like taking from this. I could go either way on that because I, I am one who believes like if you're going to, if you're going to lift from something else, lift from something good. If you're going to steal, steal you know, from the best. Yeah. Cause it worked Yeah, and you can do something with it. Now, granted, they didn't do a whole, a whole hell of a lot different on this one. No, but it it is what it is. Like right. yeah, I I got the I got the message loud and clear. I I knew exactly what they were doing. Right. Um. But yeah, it was it was ridiculous. It was pretty bad. So during the final mission run, though, like uh, Maverick is leading the team. Brewster is 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 this wingman. Uh, like, how exactly does Maverick get shot down? So okay. This is the point of the plan. He was that, saving. That, that, he was trying to save Rooster, right? He saves Rooster, he, yeah, he because threw his plane in front of Rooster's plane, right? Was that it? A part of the trench run is okay. Once they come out there and they got to fly out of this cratered uh, mountain, which once again makes sense. Is, is GPS jamming a thing? I don't. I, don't I have no how idea, that would man. Work. How do you jam a satellite signal? That's I, I don't know. I guess I you need R two D two. He's the only one who can do it. Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> Or you need, uh, you know, Obi-Wan to go through and disable yeah. the system. But anyway, yeah, so as they're coming out of there, they have to break the hard deck for this mission. And once they do that, they're open to SAM sites, right? Right. And there's like a million SAM missiles out of there, which, once so again, many. if you're going to target the airfield, why wouldn't you have fired the cruise missiles at the SAM sites as well and knock them all out too? Good question, they bro. seem to know where every single one of them was. Oh, no, I think they got around that because like they had like the, whoever they were fighting in this had like the, the super fighter jets that they couldn't, that are like, that the jets they were flying couldn't beat. Wasn't no, I, it, I right? get that. Yeah. So, so you, you launch some missiles oh. to the airfield to knock that out. So you can't launch an aircraft. Yeah. And then maybe instead of you know shooting every one of those missiles, why don't you target each one of those SAM sites that are just like completely like cartoonishly put around the damn site? Like yeah. it's just kind of crazy. It was, it was like to, if you were playing The Sims and you wanted to design <laughs> design a base, yes. it's like I'm going to put missiles here, here. Yeah, I'm going to put here, everything here. on there because I have unlimited resources. Yeah, I'm just going to put all this stuff out there. Right. But yes, to answer your question, yes, as they're flying out of there, the SAM starts shooting at them. They're lo- each one of those planes is like shooting flares. And I give this movie credit. I love the dogfight scenes in this, and I love the action. The, the, the actual air, plane air. flying scenes in this movie were really fucking cool. Phenomenal. Very yeah, you cool. Say, say what you want about this movie. I'll tell you this. You cannot knock how good this movie looks. Yeah. This movie is beautifully shot. It is it just is. gorgeous. And it was nominated for visual effects. It didn't win. Um, that's weird because it, it was really it did good. win it this movie did win an Oscar though for sound mixing or, or sound effects huh. um, which I will also give it credit for it sounds great uh, just listening to all the sound effects uh, once I learned that and I watched it the second time I was really paying attention like you're hearing everything man the sticks moving back and forth and all this other stuff just phenomenal but yeah at the end of the day they're, they're trying to avoid all the Sams Rooster is out of uh, flares all of a sudden so he's going to get hit so Maverick, yeah, flies his ship right in front of it, does his little flare move, and gets hit. Right. And, yeah, Rooster can go away, but as now, we learned, now, to Rooster me, doesn't I, I think this, like, it, you know, Maverick gets shot down. They assume he's dead, but we know he's Maverick. He's going to make it through. He's actually, uh, he's running for his life. He's being chased by some kind of, like, a, a mega helicopter. I think that 
should have been the natural ending of the movie is that he's captured and then the next movie would have been Rooster having to fly the Dark Star because it's the only plane possible that could have done it into the territory to rescue Maverick. That should have been the second movie. I get that impulse, but that's very Iron Eagle-like at that point. But, I mean, okay, but they had crazy. fucking Maverick Iron Eagle himself out of this bitch, like, in the ending of this no, movie. No, and I, yeah, I get that, because it is kind of ridiculous. You it's know, so ridiculous. Get, there happens to be a fully fueled and armed F-14 sitting off in a hangar near where they crashed, and he and Rooster both jog right up to it, get in and start flying around, no problem. Nobody harasses them whatsoever. And then, To be fair, they did set this up in the first act of the movie. <laughs> And they were talking about the mission and saying, yep, even this, this army, this uh, Air Force on, base man. has some older aircraft, some older F-14s. And they make a joke about it, you know, how But how they leave them just the fully stocked and ready to go. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, it could be. I mean, I, I will go with this because it's a Tom Cruise movie. Um, yeah, it does stretch some credibility. And because it's a Tom Cruise um, movie, we also did get a scene of him running because he is hauling ass through like through dude. That he forest. does that same that same Mission Impossible run, dude. Yeah. The hands open hands and open. just the long. He's strides. got his helmet on. You know what I mean? He's got a parachute dragon behind him for extra resistance because he's a badass. Yeah, it's. And I do stuff. like I, I I really did enjoy like a couple of these scenes. Like I got some good laughs out of this is one of them the where scene. He, he goes up. Yeah. And he just he gets pissed off at Rooster when he catches up to him. You know, he's like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? I saved your life. You're supposed to be safe. And he's like, what were you thinking? And the guy's like, dude, you told me not to think. And he's like, touche. Right. <laughs> you yeah. <got> me. <laughs> so like there there's some good character moments between these guys. Like I do. I do like what they did. Some of it uh, at other points in the movie felt a little forced. Oh, like but, him remembering, like, what for some reason, you know, Rooster knows how to play Great Balls of Fire on the piano, like he's some 90 year old man, and, you know, everybody else in the bar who's 20 is singing along with him, and Maverick has that really lame flashback. It's like, oh, get the Yeah, but I, I can go with that. Like, I, I can go with Rooster's character knowing that because he is he was a young kid. His dad used to sing that stuff. So, like, maybe that was. Would... like his daddy. Yeah, all this. Stuff. Yeah. And say what you want. Miles Teller, dude. He could pass for a young uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, with those glasses on and stuff like that. There's like, a passing he, resemblance. He's got to look to him. Yeah, so I, I do admire him for that. But, yeah, so the, if you get to the end of this movie, though, it is it is kind of ridiculous because, yes, as you said, they, they run across the airfield. I will go with it because, yes, there's chaos going going on, you know, at the airfield after it's been bombed. But, they yeah, they run up to the F-14, and this this is what would appeal to you if you are a fan of the original movie because that's the plane they flew in the original movie. But he steals an F-14, flies it out there. I can't tell you how much I just could go with the comment that Miles Teller makes and says when he gets into the back of that plane and he's just like, oh my God, this stuff is so old. For someone like me who actually worked on equipment like that kind of stuff, I was like, no, that's that's stuff that I know about, you know? Uh, I, I find that I got a good laugh out of that. Um, but then, you know, the taking off and losing the front landing gear, um, I don't know how plausible that is. Like, right. I think the plane would have crashed. And not even that, like, the whole point is, like, the you know, the... During the mission, they were flying F-18s. They made it a point to say, like, the F-18s can't match the whatever aircraft the enemies are flying. So then when he downgrades to an even worse F-14 and then manages to take out two of these badass stealth jets with just this old-ass F-14. You know well, what I mean? it, but they also set up that point. Then they, they, they hammered this theme home. 
is like it's not about the pilot or about the plane it's about the pilot right you know because and that that's one of the themes they have and i'll talk i'll talk about the theme after the second theme after this Ugh. um you know but this theme is and it starts off this way is like look you guys are ancient history pilots are a thing of the past we are going to automated drones and no matter what we don't we want robots to do everything for from now on right but there's still you know, pilots so it, flying those things right well, yes, yes. Like they're not automated. But, so yeah, but you're not. Still, still yeah, someone the, on the, stick. the stakes aren't there. Yeah, it's it's not. I th- I think even today a real pilot would probably tell you it's not the same thing. Right. Um. It's it's very different, you know. But they make a point to say, yeah, this is what's happening. You're being replaced, and their their point to that or counter to that is, you know, we're still needed. You know, there still has to be somebody at the controls, mm-hmm. you know, to do this, and you know. Uh, you know, Tom Cruise even makes another comment in this, like, yeah, you can know everything you can about this aircraft, but guess what? The enemy knows everything this is in this book too. What they don't know is what's inside your head, you know? So I, I, I get that theme and it, it's fun to watch that dog fight. I do like, I do like watching him fight. The in that plane F-14. stuff was cool, but man. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just, it just shows a lot of the old school stuff against like what new school technology looks like. He should have just thrown a handful of pennies out of the, out of the fucking canopy or something. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> just <laughs> fuck, yeah, just low, low, low enough to hit and have another bird strike. Yeah. Right. Okay. But I, this, this leads me to the other point of this and the other theme of this. And it takes me to one of the hardest scenes in this movie. As we get to see one of our other characters who come back in this film, Iceman. Oh, so if you didn't, if you didn't yeah. know, yeah, Iceman is in this film. Sorry yeah. if I spoiled that for you. I think that's dumb. Um, but yeah, Val Kilmer stars in this film as Iceman. He's returning as Iceman. And of course, this was probably never planned in anybody's early versions of this script. I'm sure like people writing this thing or trying to trying to do uh, treatments for this 10, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we can bring Val Kilmer back and mm-hmm. this would be great just to have another character to play against. But if you're not aware, Val Kilmer is has suffered from, uh, you know, throat cancer, and is basically, you know, he, he can't talk anymore. Nope. He um, yeah, he is completely mute, and it's. I, I still, if, you, if you've listened to the show before, I have recommended the documentary Val. If you haven't seen it, watch it, but be prepared. You're, you're probably gonna shed a tear or two. It is heart wrenching, but it is so heartwarming to watch as well. Um, but he shows up in this film. And his character, he he ends up. His character ends up being like the uh, admiral of like the uh, bigwig of the yeah the, of the entire Pacific fleet. So mm-hmm. it's like it's about as high as you can go, you know, in the navy. And he we turn. It turns out that he is the character who's been, you know, keeping Maverick in the navy. Like everybody wants to kick him out, but Iceman because he's so high up there, he's like, nope, not going to happen. Yep. And it turns out that he's the one who recommended him to go to Top Gun and teach for this mission. But Maverick then, you know, has to have a, a, a one-on-one meeting with him. They go to his house and he's just there sitting in his chair. He's mute. It's, this is a, I mean, this is, this is where I think top or uh, Tom Cruise really can show his acting chops. Cause it's really hard to just act against somebody who's not playing against you. Who's just only making facial expressions, but Tom Cruise pulls this off. He's 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 actually almost There's probably a lot of real emotion in this scene for them too. Oh, very much so. Can you only imagine? Like yeah. these guys have probably been friends for a long time, mm-hmm. and this is the reunion they're going to have, and this is probably the last film that Val Kilmer will ever do in his yeah. life. And 
yeah, so it's a, it's his swan song. So yeah, you're gonna have this last moment. But here's where they throw out this last theme of this movie of you need to let go. Yeah, all the characters in this movie have to let go of something. So if you go back there and if you didn't catch on the first time, watch it again. You'll see it. You know, the hangman character, he's a very prideful person. He is the Iceman of this movie, but he has to learn to let go of that pride, sit back and just be second best sometimes. You know, Penny Benjamin has to let go of her anger at Pete for her her prior history and move on. You know, everything else like that. Maverick. This is the part that I have the hardest part of this one because it was supposed to be wrapped up in the first one. He uh-huh. has to let go of Goose's, Goose's death. Oh, dude, right. Every five minutes, man, he was haunted by it. Yeah, that's what was supposed to be done. It's 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 the one problem I had with this film um, was that, you know, they brought this whole thing back like it's still haunting him. No, that's what happened in the last film because that's what gave him the courage to get back into the fight and save the day. He let go of all his emotions. Oh, that's right. Goose yeah. Said, said, I'm done. You know, talk to me, Goose. And once he realizes, like, I don't need it anymore, boom, he's, he can be the hero he wants to be. They really played up on this one this time, too. It's like, oh, he's got to let go of Goose. But at the same time, he's got to let go of that fear of, you know, letting something happen to, to Rooster. To Rooster. He's got to <laughs> let go of his life in the Navy. Yeah. You know, he, he's he's old now. He it's, His time has passed. So this is a theme that comes up with all of these characters out there. It, it really fits in there. I think they did a good job of tying that theme throughout each character in this film. So then at, at the end of the movie, then like the mission is successful, like, you know, everyone escapes and they make it back and all that. And they, they have their happy reunion. Are we to understand like, is this Mavericks, is he retired now? Is he done with the Navy? And like Rooster is going to be the, the face of Top Gun going forward. Yes. Really? Yeah. It's, it's the way it has to be. Yeah. Cause they've always said that Top Gun is his last posting. Like, this is your last job for the Navy. Because he's also would be hitting the mandatory retirement age. I was looking this up, and I, di- I didn't know this, like, with this eye, but I believe it's, like, 62 years old. You know, you can Damn. be, as, as like, you have to be, like, a flag officer or above, like, th- at that high level. Um, but also some senior enlisted people can can be that, can stay that long. It's, like, I don't I don't know how people Jesus would actually have a career Christ. that long, but goddamn. Right, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's but, a lot so, of time. If you do the math, it kind of lines up where where he would be. Like, if you give him, you you say in the first Top Gun movie, let's say he's 23, 24 years old, which that's about what most aviators would be at that age, at that time. Roll roll forward, you know, 30 years, almost 40 years. He'd be almost in his 60s at this point. So What year was he, Top he, Gun? It was 87? 86. 86. 86. Yep. Yeah, he'd be about there right now. Yeah, so I, I think that's what the, the end of this uh, movie is supposed to be. It's like, that is his swan song. It is the way they end this movie. It's because... Like, he actually like, I don't know about you, sunset, right? But they really throw it in your face that, yeah, Maverick is going to die on this mission. You know, he has that, that last-minute talk with Hondo. Oh, you know, yeah. His crew chief, where it's like, oh, I don't like that look. And they're, they're on the flight deck, him and Rooster, and they're like, hey, we'll just talk when we get back. Like... They are throwing it down hard, trying to make you believe that, yeah, Maverick, you are not coming back. Right. You know, you're not going to have all this stuff, which I honestly, to tell you the truth, I think the movie would have been made better had they gone that route. Had he died. And he dies saving, 
you know, the world saving rooster, whatever. I don't care what it is, but he dies doing what he had to do. Yeah. I think that would make it better for the character, but there was no way they were going to do that to Tom Cruise. Cause what they really do in this end of this thing is like, Tom, as I said before, Tom, you're the greatest. And we want to make you look like the greatest superhero in the world. So yeah, we're going to let you land a plane with no landing gear. We're going to let you fight the fifth generation fighters in your F-14, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. I think that's, it was probably contractual for Tom Cruise. Like, I can't die in this thing. <laughs> but I will state this. I, I think, for the record, I think the movie would have been better had he actually, his character would have died. Yeah. And you got to figure, like, he, even though he won't be the star, like, he, there's no way he won't be in any eventual Top Gun 3, right? He'll be involved in some, some, some rhyme or reason. About- I mean, even on screen, like Maverick will show up somehow, even if it's just like a wink, like riding a motorcycle kind of thing. Like, he'll still be <laughs> Maverick, there. the, uh, the subcontractor for Lockheed or something. Yeah. <laughs> they're helping out. Yeah. Hey, I'm turning some wrenches for these, uh, F-35s here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So I'm kind of gathering from you that you just kind of rolled your eyes through a lot of this film. Is no, that, actually, that... I, the first time I watched it, I did. And the second time I watched it, I kind of watched it like how I did uh, the first Top Gun when I was a kid. As I fast forwarded right through all the mushy stuff. <laughs> and it made it for, okay, made it for a much better movie. Uh, I don't, I still don't see how it made that much money. Uh, I enjoyed it, but man, not $1.5 billion worth. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Well, I... I, if you, you can't tell from my description, I have a much higher opinion of this film. I, I, I honestly think that this film was well done. It, it, it Like I said, it looks terrific. Mm-hmm. The action is done amazing. The, the money they invested in there, they spent that money wisely. They did. Because, I mean, this thing looks great. They built a better story than what the original was. It's not very often you get to say that the, the sequel is better than the original. Mm-hmm. But I will say that this sequel is better than the original Top Gun. Story-wise, I, I still love the original Top Gun. I think this movie is just a better all-around movie. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's what you want to do with a sequel. I, I get why this was so successful. I would have loved to have seen this on, like, IMAX. I think this would have been a phenomenal movie to see like that. So, like, I get it. I, I get why people wanted to. And I get why they held off on this movie, releasing it. They didn't want to release during COVID because they wanted people in theaters and they're the better for it. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> it's they made paid a off for money. in spades. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good movie. I will go back and watch it again if I just happen to want to put something on. This is a movie that I would watch again. It's, it's that entertaining. So I would recommend people go see it. Um, I, think, I think you've got a little bit of that recommendation too, but just for other reasons. Like it's still just something to watch. For you, for you, it seems like more of like just a popcorn flick kind of thing, right? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, okay. And like I said, the you know, for me, just the the the, the romance scenes were just completely just unnecessary. It just it killed the yeah. momentum of the movie for me. So like I just you know just back in the TV day, just whoop, whoop, just I, I, right that, that's it. a fair criticism. Yeah. I, I can go with you on that. Um, I didn't have as big a problem with it, but I I can see where where it would because it is it's a two hour and thirteen minute movie, um, but I did feel like. The, the act structure of this movie was much better than the original. So things flowed a lot better. Yeah. And when you get that third act, you're rewarded with a lot of action. The and plane scenes are exceedingly stunts. cool in this movie. Like, if anything, it's, it's like, just, it's, yeah, the actual fighter jet parts of this movie are just ridiculous. Yeah, you're, cool. you're in your back of your, if you were in the theater, you were sitting in the back of your seat just like, wow, this is great. I'm loving it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> It's a rare uh, new movie for us lately. We've been on a, a pretty old kick as of late, so this was nice getting someone, <laughs> getting something that yeah. came out in the last few months. 
But I'm sure we'll venture back into the world of garbage again soon. I, speaking right? of, I do have a I do have a suggestion. I don't know if you've oh, what's showed up on streaming lately. Uh, th- there are two movies that caught my attention. Um, one would be uh, Blade with Wesley Snipes. That's an interesting choice. Yeah, interesting or uh, choice, another yes. one also featuring Wesley Snipes, but happens to be one of uh, Stallone's better movies, in my opinion, Demolition Man. Oh, my goodness. Great. I, one of the greatest films of all time, I think. Yeah. Not to show my so. hand too much. Right. <laughs> So I it's not so much movie. a fact for me of doing both. It's which would we like to do first? <laughs> well, you got my vote. Um, listeners, if you guys have a vote, um, I would I would, I would implore you to pick Demolition Man because I think it's just a work of art. But Yeah, let's go with that one. Yeah, yeah, if there's ever any, any suggestions of uh, films you would like us to check out, please let us know. You can find us at our home of the web at adamsnurse.com. A-D-A-M-S-nurse.com. We'll take any and all suggestions you got. And uh, for anyone uh, checking out the show and downloading it, thanks for all the nice reviews and comments you've been leaving. We read all that stuff. We really appreciate it. Um, but I think for now we're going to get out of here. We've got a bunch of shit to watch. So on behalf of Brian and Mary, we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Mmm, delicious.